Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Queens of Social Work podcast. I'm your co-host, Queen P. And I'm your co-host, Queen A. And we invite you all to join us this week as we share, laugh, cry, and learn through our experiences as women of color who happen to be social workers. On this week's episode, we'll discuss social work as a profession and why we became social workers. Now let's get started. So in order to find out where you're going, you have to really take a look at where you've been. Today, we're taking a look at the history of social welfare and how caring for your neighbors or helping the less fortunate became social work practice and why we became social workers. So according to William Tratner, who wrote From Poor Law to Welfare State, he says, hospitality to strangers, for example, was recognized as a virtue even among primitive peoples. Harumbai, the famed ruler of Babylonia for some 2,000 years before Christ, made the protection of widows and orphans and the weak against the strong an essential part of his code. The ancient Greeks and Romans also frequently discussed the matter. Even Aristotle spoke of man as a social animal and as such one who had to cooperate with and assist his fellow men. Jewish, Christian, and Islamic doctrines also teach the duty of giving and equal importance of the right for those in need to receive help, as well as doing good deeds and providing charity to widows and orphans. Wow. So historically, social work has been around from the beginning of time. Oh, yes. It sounds like it. (laughs) So I guess, you know, going towards more modern times, we could talk about when social social work started in the U.S. So according to the NASW, The American social work profession was established in the late 19th century to ensure that immigrants and other vulnerable people gain tools and skills to escape economic and social poverty. Since the first social work class was offered in the summer of 1898 at Columbia University, social workers have led the way developing private and charitable organizations to serve people in need. Social workers continue to address the needs of society and bring our nation's social problems to public attention. So, you know, one of the, I guess, first social workers in the U.S. as recorded as the first social worker is Jane Addams. She was one of the first women to receive a Nobel Peace Prize, um, which was awarded in 1931. And she's known best for establishing the settlement houses in Chicago. And under her direction, the whole house team provided an array of vital services to thousands of people each week. They established a kindergarten, daycare for working mothers, provided job training, English language, cooking, and acculturation classes for immigrants. They established a job placement bureau, community center, gymnasium, and art gallery. That's a lot of stuff. It really is. And it sounds great. Thousands of people each week. Can you imagine what that must have looked like? Yeah. Oh, wow. A lot of good work. And some noted social workers throughout history is uh, Frances Perkins, a social worker who was the first woman to be appointed to the cabinet of a U.S. president. Okay. She was um, President Roosevelt's Secretary of Labor. Mm. You have Whitney M. Young Jr who became the executive director of the National Urban League while serving as the dean for the Atlanta School of Social Work. Mm. And he later became the president of NASW 
in the late 60s. Mm-hmm. And then you have um, Harry Hopkins, who was for Work Progress Administration, Dorothy Height, National Council of Negro Women, and Jeanette Rankin, the first woman elected to the U.S. Congress. So quite a bit of few famous social workers. Yes. And we are in good company, girl. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit of history about social work. Of course, there's so much more we can discuss as far as historical factors. We can talk about child welfare historically. We, there's so many things, but I think that will come over time in, in future shows, depending on what we're discussing. Definitely. So, Queen P. Yes. Why to become a social worker? So I know we talked a little bit about it in the first, mm-hmm. like, okay, what kind of led up to it? But I think, you know, here we could go a little bit more in depth. So, because you didn't have to become a social worker. So like, why? And why do you remain one? Ooh, okay, Queen H, I see you. So, so like we said, you know, in a previous episode, I was told that I would make a great social worker by, by a teacher that I had in high school. And when I went into my bachelor's program, I was surrounded by all of these phenomenal Black social workers. And I said, yeah, this is something I can definitely do. Part of my BSW program was to do a junior practicum, which was like a do, uh, internship. And I worked mm-hmm. with domestic violence uh, patients, uh, clients at the time. And um, I met a family that really, really uh, stuck with me. It was a woman who had escaped from her husband and uh, her child had some trauma. So every time he would see a social worker. He knew the social worker was there to help. So he would like start saying all of the things that he saw happen and daddy picked up a knife and that kind of thing. And that really stuck with me, you know, even all this time later, I'm like, you know what, I can really get in here and help. And this is someone who I took to, um, to the court, to try to file some paperwork. And I was really invested in that first case. And I'm like, yeah, I could see myself doing this, you know, past this internship. And then we had a senior, um, internship and I worked at the VA in an acute care setting. And it was really phenomenal just working with people who had walked so many different paths in life. And then they came together to join the military and then they were all hurt and wounded there. And so they were in this acute setting and just really seeing people in different stages of life, getting back on their feet and being able to empower them, encourage them to, to change if that was needed. Um, recognizing their strengths and and some challenges they may have. And I ran groups and um, just really being uh, some glue in someone's mm-hmm. life, being able to tie all these things in, wrap all these things together. Of course, the gift isn't always pretty after it's wrapped, right? Because life is what you make it. But just being mm-hmm. able to be present in the moment with someone who really could use your support and who really, you can be a saving grace for sometimes. Just being able to help really solidified me wanting to go into the profession. When I got into the profession, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So of course I played the field because <laughs> I think all mm-hmm. social workers do that, right? You come into the field, you get your feet wet. I'll do a little child welfare mm-hmm. over here. I'll do a little psychotherapy over here. I'll do a little bit of whatever over here. <laughs> and so I did that, of course, like most people do. And here I am, you know, I'm still in the field because I love the work. I love trauma. I love critical care. I love when people are at their worst, right? Because I think mm-hmm. it's so rewarding uh, for them and for me to see how quickly things can change. 
Yeah. You can be at your worst, worst, worst. It's the worst day ever. It's the worst. Everybody dead. Everybody alive. Everybody whatever. And then all <laughs> of a sudden, <laughs> you know, you get in there, Matt, and you do your work. And then it's like, ooh, there's a mm-hmm. rainbow. Or there's a little bit of light in the tunnel. Oh, you're right. It wasn't as mm-hmm. bad. Or, oh, God, it is as bad. And, and But now I know how to navigate that bad. You know, and you can really mm-hmm. see your work in action. And so that's what keeps me in the field. You know, what about you, Queen H? You know, how did you, why did you become a social worker? Why did you stay? Why are you currently a social worker? You know, tell me about your history. So, you know, I was so glad that we were doing this topic because this is social work month. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in honor of social work month, just really understanding the origins of the profession is so important. Yes. Um, But also celebrating why we're here. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it became ever so apparent this year more than anything, you know, with COVID happening last year and us, you know, not being able to really celebrate being social workers. And then really the campaign that social workers are essential. um, I think I kind of took it to heart because it is, you know, people need to understand that we are essential. We, you know, move communities forward we helped do that and without social work many communities would not so for me I think you know seeing my aunt who was a social worker um she passed away in 2019 but she was my earliest uh memory of a social worker but I didn't really understand at the time what she did all Mm -hmm. I know is that she had a lot of money (laughs) so I just I was just like okay she making her money yes you know (laughs) I said that if I'm gonna be a social worker that's the kind of social worker I wanted to be I'm gonna be that's right (laughs) but uh, initially like I said in you know our first episode is that I wanted to be a pediatric neurosurgeon so I didn't even want to be a social worker but I my life was touched by social workers you know when my mom died when I was young I had a therapist, a bereavement counselor, and she was a social worker. So when I decided to change my major, I thought about her and I thought about my aunt, who's a social worker. So um, once I met my professor who encouraged me to do social work after I changed my major to um, human services, you know, she was a big inspiration and she was really real. She was this mm-hmm. older white woman who cussed in class. <laughs> and, but she told it like it was. And I just, you know, I loved her dearly. She was an English teacher by profession first and then majored in social work. Mm-hmm. And so we had the best of both worlds because she used to tear our papers up. on the English teacher standpoint but then build us back up right and so um, she said just because you're out here helping people don't mean you don't know how to write you need to know how to write (laughs) because you have to be able to convey the needs of the people I'm like that's right so (laughs) you sound like one of my people all right now exactly exactly (laughs) oh yes because you know how you like to tear up people's stuff okay (laughs) when they don't write me Maybe all over their notes. All right, okay. English teacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe a little, maybe a little. <laughs> yes. So 
I think once I graduated with my bachelor's, I knew that I didn't want to go get my master's just yet. I wanted to get some experience just to shore up that this is what I wanted to do. And my first job was in foster care. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once I started working with them kids, I said, okay, this is what I want to do. I love working with young people. I got an education <laughs> working in foster care that nothing the classroom can tell you, I swear. I had never knew about prostitution. I learned about that. Like, what? It took you long enough to learn about selling kudu on the street? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know anything about it. Like, I didn't know what was going. Like, I just (laughs) saw so many things and my eyes were open to the world. And I was like, oh my gosh. People mm. go through so much. I yeah. mean, I felt even though I wasn't sheltered, I still I didn't like grow up in an urban setting either. You know, I grew up in the mm. suburbs. So there were things that I didn't see, or maybe I was naive to. And so, mm. you know, working in foster care, that stripped that down quick. Bam. Oh, yes. My oh, eyes yes. was open. <laughs> <laughs> My nose was all the way open. Like Mm -hmm, (laughs) what's going mm -hmm. on and so I really loved the work that I did with those young people and their families and you know when I could get a family together and then really get their kids I was really happy or if I could get um children more permanent settings permanent families situation that was so exciting and so I had several positions within that agency but when it was time for me to go you know as most social workers do we look to see what am I going to do next so you know my next stop was you know preventive and then mental health and then now medicine and I really enjoy social work I love to help people help themselves yes yes as much cliche as it is but that's really what it is I love when people recognize their greatness because we are all born with that, we are all innately, I don't want to even say perfect, because we're not, it's not perfect, but we are endowed with everything that we need. We need, yes. Um, the, yes. the problem is that our life circumstances or situations and, and our experiences sometimes diminish that. Yes. Oh, And so I love, yeah, I love to help people recognize that when it finally clicks, you see that light bulb, like, bitch, I'm great. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. When they recognize I'm great, I feel like my work is done. Don't praise me. I don't need all the praise. I just want you to know that you're great. Once you know that you're great, we're done. I'm good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's why I say working in social work. Wow. Wow. That's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. That first experience in the field, that'll teach you a lot though. <laughs> mm-hmm. You come in there super mm-hmm. green and you leave super dry and super brown. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, when, when I entered working in foster care and they were like, once you work one year, it's like you've been working there like two or three years. I like to say, once you work there six months, it's like working here, it's double, okay? And I feel like that too for medicine. Hell. Right. I feel like once you work a year in medicine, you did like two, three years. I feel like, you know, I've been working in medicine, what, six, six years, almost seven. 
And mm-hmm. I feel like I've been there a good 14 years. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, because it's taxing. It's taxing. It, yes. it really is on every level. You know, the getting locked down when things happen yeah. or um, there's a natural disaster or, mm-hmm. you know, like, or even a man-made disaster like 9-11, you know, things just happen. Yeah. You got to be ready. You got to be on standby. And you have to be willing to give of yourself because that's what people need. That's what's required mm-hmm. in your job mm-hmm. as a social worker, you know, and you really got to come into the field understanding that. I think sometimes mm-hmm. people come into the field and really all they know is, you know, oh, you know, I can be a CPS worker. I can be a child protection worker mm-hmm. and I can just take children or go to court or, you know, put families back together, restore families. And, you know, their their understanding of the scope is limited, yeah. you know, and that can be for yes. whatever reason. But man, there is so much that is required. Yeah. So I definitely want to recognize all social workers this social work month because we are essential. <laughs> no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, you are essential. Yes. So let's have a round of applause for the social workers. Woo! Clap it up. That's right. That's it. And so if you're looking to become a social worker, you can go about that several different ways, right? It, can start with your bachelor's, you can get a BSW, or you can major in sociology, you can major in human services, you can major in psychology. The biggest thing is that if you're going to become a social worker, you need to get your master's in social work. And that's the end all to be all right there. So you want to make sure whatever you major in, in undergrad, the classes coincide with entering a graduate program for social work correct um if not then you'll have to take you know certain social science classes and whatever they require once you get your master's of social work from an accredited institution then you want to make sure you're licensed so we have plenty of colleagues in our field who's still working out here with just their msw and that's fine Mm -hmm. depending on what you want to do but i think and this is my opinion, and you can tell me if you agree or not, uh, Queen P, but mm-hmm. the more that you do, the better. So getting your license, and each state has a different, like in Maryland, it might be a licensed graduate social worker. For New York, is licensed master of social work first. That's the first step once you um, graduate your graduate program with your MSW, you go to take your license and exam. Then there's a period if you want to become a licensed clinical social worker so that you can practice privately in whatever state that you're in or independently, then you would need to do a period of supervision. For New York, it's 3,000 hours or is it 2,000 hours? 2,000, right? 2,000 hours, three years. Thank you. I know there was a two and a three. 2,000 hours, (laughs) sorry, 2,000 hours and three years of supervision and at least 100 hours of supervision. Mm -hmm. So once you do that and you're supervised by an approved supervisor, then you can take your license in exam for your LCSW. And once you pass, of course, you'll be an LCSW. And then you can go on to do your R which means that, you know, basically you can bill all insurances no. (laughs) so that you can start your private practice. But I'm a firm believer in going to the highest that your profession 
has available. So even if that's getting your doctorate, that's that. But definitely at least be an LCSW or LCSWR. For me, I, I think is the most important because I want the flexibility. I want to be able to apply anywhere that I choose to apply. And if I want to have that option of a private practice and be fully recognized, then it's important to be a LCSWR or at least a LCSW. That's my opinion. That's correct. I definitely agree with you, Queen H. In terms of going as far as um, your credentials will allow, right? Mm-hmm. In this field, and we, we definitely have some episodes lined up for us to talk more about the hustle, right? Because mm-hmm. hustle is real in this profession. And so you <laughs> want to be able, okay? So you want to be able to diversify your portfolio academically and uh, career-wise. You definitely want to have mm-hmm. experiences that are varied. You want to beat the pavement if you can. And you absolutely, absolutely need to be credentialed properly to do those things. And going the route of going forward to obtain the LCSW is a way to really ensure that um, you'll get your foot in the door wherever you want to apply. Right now, we know people in our setting that we work at that have an LMSW and they have hours that they've obtained Hmm. supervision. They've been supervised. They've had clinical hours, client contact hours. They've done what's required on every other level. They have not sat for that exam. And as a result, not been able to really move forward, you know, in terms of promotion Mm -hmm. and advancement in that job. Like you can be working at the same place for 30 years, but you can also have 25 positions in those 30 years, right? You can be called to do special projects. You can call to be do special things. And sometimes we sabotage ourselves because we're not ready when we should be, right? If you stay Mm -hmm. ready, you don't have to get ready. And so sometimes we need to, okay. (laughs) So sometimes we need to really think about the long-term plan when we set out to do certain things. Why go to school for 18,000 years and sit Mm -hmm. for a clinical exam for 18,000 years and then Mm -hmm. stop right there? Regardless of what your goals Mm -hmm. are, because having an advanced license can only take you further, right? Let's Mm -hmm. say you just want to do whatever it is for whatever. You want to play at the beach all day. Fine, you can do that. But why not apply for the highest thing that you can apply for. So that way mm-hmm. you want to do not at the beach, but you want to go into a place and wear a suit and a tie. That's fine too. Give yourself the option. Don't sabotage yourself by just going to one place, having everything else you need in line to get things done. And then not taking that step. Anxiety is mm-hmm. real. People don't test well. We know all of those mm-hmm. things, but to combat those things, there are boot camps, there are training sessions, there are training manuals, there are books and guides, there are one-on-one tutoring sessions. There are all these things you can do to get yourself prepared to sit for that exam, to get ready. You have everything else. Why not just, you know, go for it, go for it. Believe in yourself that much, go for it. Exactly. I agree. And I think in the spirit of going for it, you know, you and I both are licensed in other states as well, right? Because there's opportunities for business everywhere. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and we'll go more into this when we discuss the myths of social workers or about social workers. But I think people get pigeonholed to social work is one thing and social work is whatever you make. Mm -hmm. It's up to you. 
And it can be, you know, as big as you want it or as small as you want it. But it's up to you to dream. You need to dream. So I'm actually working on getting my third license in another state. So you too? <laughs> Girl. <How am> I? <laughs> Listen, be a license in three states. What? Okay. Okay. Listen. Mm-hmm. So. Thank you so much. Happy Social Work Month to all the social workers out there. And thank you for listening. Please like and listen and share our podcast. We're so happy to have you here. Yes. Follow us on social media or on Instagram and Twitter. Please, please follow. Bye.